Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on Transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. Ask for help when you need it, not when things are desperate. You know, a lot of times we kind of approach things stubbornly, um, and we start off and we think we have things handled, but in the end, we actually have no clue what we're doing, and that's when we're asking people for help, right? Um, I heard, I read a really sad story that took place in Canada. There was a diver that drifted 10 kilometers Um, which is roughly about 60 feet, somewhere around that, with the tide as dozens of people were searching for him desperately. So he just flew out there and, and he died in part because his friends didn't call the Coast Guard in time. His partners in the dive boat waited 40, an hour and 45 minutes before they called the Coast Guard to help them because they thought they had it handled. They figured they'd be able to find their friend going and zooming back and forth in their little raft back and forth in the waves. They tried to search for him themselves, said the marine controller Mark Pollux. When asked why they didn't call, he said maybe they were embarrassed. I don't think they're the best of buddies by now. The Canadian Coast Guards gave some strong advice saying, call us quickly, because the quicker is the better. Calling for help as soon as possible is always a good idea, right? Especially when it comes to life and death or spiritual matters. Why is prayer usually our last resort instead of our first option? You know, when Israel they were faced with the decision whether to become allies with the Gibeonites or to go ahead and, and uh, you know, make war with them or whatever it might have been. What did they do? They looked at the people. They looked at the situation. They said, let's make peace. When the Gibeonites were deceiving them and living in the land, they were right before them as enemies. And God said, if you had only come to me first. And so they made peace and swore an oath they would never go to war with them. How far do we have to drift from God until we finally call for help? Why do we wait until the seashore is so far away and we're just swimming and pedaling and and feeling like we're about to sink and wave after wave is crashing over us and overwhelming us until we feel a sense of urgency and open our mouth to God? Why when we so desperately want peace 
so desperately want calm and comfort of his company, do we wait until things are chaotic to open our mouth? The problem is, is we'll slowly lose strength. We'll slowly lose sight of the horizon. We'll slowly start sinking if we're not being active and calling out to Him. Amen? I mean, think of this. If, if it's the same in life, it's going to be the same in the spiritual matters. Every day is a struggle to keep our heads above water. So it makes sense to call out to the only one that can rescue us. Amen? But for our rescue to take place, we have to open our mouth. We must be seeking the shore. We must be seeking the comfort that only God, that only Jesus Christ can bring. Turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. And take a look with me at verses 7 down to 11. Jesus says this, starting in verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, gives him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask of Him? Speak and speak often. Speak your heart. Speak to Dad. Speak your mind. Jesus is saying within this passage is persistence is important in your prayer life. Keep praying. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Your Father in heaven hears you. He cares. And He has an answer. Each of these three actions right here, the asking, seeking, and knocking, occurs in what's called the present tense in the original language. And so it literally is saying, keep on asking God. Keep on seeking God. Keep on knocking on the door. In other words, God is being very specific here. Jesus is saying, I want you to keep your prayer life active. Just because things are getting gloomier, don't give up praying. Just because you see the light doesn't mean you stop reaching towards it. You see, in our life we are to be actively praying to God. These are three actions of active growth in our prayer life. This is a progression of persistence in our life. Asking, seeking, knocking. I'm, I'm there and I'm just, I'm going to keep on doing this until you answer the door. For all of us that have kids, you know exactly what that's like. Because they always catch you when you're in the bathroom. Dad! Dad! What are you doing in there? Dad! Dad, Dad, well, I was in the peace of going to the bathroom right now, but all of that has ceased now that you are persistently knocking on the door. Dad, 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 hey, hey, Dad. I just saw this really cool thing on the internet, and i got to show you. <laughs> Can it wait? 
five minutes? But what ends up happening as they're persistently knocking on the door when you're going to the bathroom or changing or whatever it might be, you go ahead and quickly do whatever you're doing, getting dressed, whatever it might be, applying makeup, whatever it might be, combing your hair, and you quickly open the door. Why? Because the persistence. They want your engagement. And God says, Jesus speaking says, on behalf of the Father, He says, if you answer your kid's call, how much more are your Father, whose very nature is good, is going to be attentive to when you knock, when you seek, and when you ask. The word ask here, is the word ateo, which means request, petition, or to beg. It's used of somebody that's helpless going to somebody that's in great power. I don't have the ability to help myself, God. I have limited ability and can't help myself. I can't control this situation, but you can make things happen, so I'm asking you. C.S. Lewis once wrote this, talk to God by asking in prayer. Do you think that we regard God as an airman regards his parachute? It's there for emergencies, but he hopes he'll never have to use it. I mean, think of that. It's saying, do we look at God as as a pilot looks at his parachute? I hope I never have to use this thing. I hope that I have things handled, that this is my last alternative. A lot of times we look at God in that same way, in our prayer life in that same way. God, I hope I never have to break in case of emergency. When really what he's telling us is we should be going to God first in our life and in our journey. We should be seeking His counsel first in our life. Why? Because we shouldn't be treating God as an emergency. You know, a lot of times, God is our spare tire. How many of you guys make sure, like, whenever you go on a drive, you open that trunk, and you check the pressure on that one tire that you probably only use once every five years, right? You check the pressure on that tire. You make sure that tire is inflated. You make sure that that tire is in good shape. You make sure everything is going great on that spare tire, right? Why? Because that might rescue you one day. No, that, that spare tire is an afterthought, isn't it? That spare tire is in case of emergency, I go to it. Sometimes you don't even have the spare tire, right? It's like, oh no, I need my spare tire. And you go and you open the trunk and you're like, I bought a car without a spare tire? Who does that? (laughs) And God is in our spare tire. He doesn't want to just hear from us when we have an emergency. He doesn't just want the connection when we have something going on that's crazy in our life. He wants the connection at all times in our life. Is part of this, He's saying, I am the Father that wants to give good gifts, that cares about when you ask, that wants to be there in your life. I want to be active. 
A good father, he's saying, I want to be active and hear your voice. I want to be active in softening people's hearts. I want to be active in moving mountains. I want to be active in the impossible work. I want to be active in in lifting you up when you need lifting up. I want to be active in helping you through the hard times of struggle. I want to be active in growing you. I want to be active if you would only ask. It's kind of like when somebody's struggling with that pickle jar. You could just easily open it, but you're waiting to hear can you open this for me? And there has to be that exchange, right? There has to be that exchange of, here, I can't do this. You're going to have to do this. And that's kind of what Jesus is talking about here is that God is the gentleman in our life. He doesn't want to force Himself and His will upon our life. He wants to hear us say, God, I can't handle it. Take control of this situation. God, this is impossible for me to do. But all things are possible for you. God, I'm not able to handle this situation. So I'm going to the God that is able. As we keep on asking, we keep on seeking, and part of seeking is discovering what God talks about in the matter. That's why He says in the next thing that we are to be seeking. Seeking God. Why? Because God cannot put into our hands until He first prepares our hearts. Someone said in this way, the greatest blessing of prayer is not just getting an answer, but being the kind of person that God trusts with the answer. Why? Because we've been seeking His face, seeking His word, seeking His action, seeking His will, seeking His plan for our life. Contentment is a virtue, but when we say we have all we want and the all doesn't include God then we have a big void and chasm in our life. That's why Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 6. He says, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Don't seek things that moth and rust destroy and thieves can break in and steal. The problem is, is when you're looking at the things that you have and you said, I'm good, that you stop seeking God. That you stop seeking His reward and His will and His plan for your life. And He's saying, I want you to be active in seeking. I want you to be active in looking. I want you to be active in asking. I don't often quote St. Augustine because I don't see eye to eye with him a lot of times, but he says this, God wants to give us something but cannot because our hands are full and there's nowhere for Him to put it. In other words, we have obtained too much of the flesh and too much of the world to hold what God treasures and says He wants to pour out into our life. The Scripture says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And my people who are called by My name humble themselves and pray and seek My face and turn away from their wicked ways, when then I will hear them from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. 
Now this was a promise that was given to Israel, but it's so applicable to us because it's telling us if we seek God in prayer, God starts to put things in line. And sometimes that doesn't mean the removal of the situation. Sometimes that we, what that means is putting the situation into perspective. And seeing God's hand within the situation in our life. So why don't we ask? And why don't we seek? The word seek implies a strong desire for guidance. God, I'm seeking your advice in this. And I'm searching for the answers in your word. Jesus says we should first seek his kingdom actively in all we do. And in our prayer life, we should be seeking, seeking his kingdom, seeking his answers, seeking him first. Amen? When we ask, we're to be seeking him through his word. Looking for the obvious answers through what's revealed and obvious in His Scripture. You know, sometimes the answer is staring us right in the face. It's like, hey, should I move in with my boyfriend? Should I start that type of situation? We should be looking at Scripture and seeing what God says about that in the life of a believer. God, is it okay for me to do these things under the table when my boss isn't looking? Well, let's go to the obvious answer within Scripture, right? It's written right there. We don't even have to look for that. That's not hidden inside of a parable or anything. God says, hey, do everything as unto the Lord. You who work, work heartily. Put your whole self into it. So we should be actively seeking His answers in Scripture. We're not to sit passively and idly. Why? Because it says that we're to be actively seeking. Actively seeking what He has, not waiting lazily for God's answers. You know, a lot of times we kind of just wait for the answers in the clouds. Right? You ever done that? God, what do you want me to do in this? Push me towards it. God's saying, hey, I've got the answers there for you to seek. So seek them out. Don't be a pew potato. Start chewing on the Word for yourself. Start tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. How many of you guys have a Bible in your hand right now? Okay, how many of you guys have a cell phone? Let's go ahead and do it that way. Okay, good. How many of you guys have a a device that can get on the internet at home? Because there's tablets, there's all those crazy things out there. Okay, So everybody in this room is covered. You can search Scripture for yourself now. So you should be seeking God actively in your life rather than just chewing on what I'm giving you on Sunday. It's good. It's good for us to come here and to look at Scripture together and grow, but part of what you should be actively doing is seeking God's face in your life, seeking His kingdom in your life, and I can't do that for you. So seek God actively. James 4.8 puts it this way, and this is a direct promise to you as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower. James 4.8 Draw near to God. And He will draw near to you. 
Do you notice that it doesn't say, hey, if the church draws near to God? No. If your pastor is studying the Word of God? No. It's a direct promise to you. You draw near to God, and He will draw near to who? You. You. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's saying, hey, look, as you're drawing near to God, you'll feel guilt over sin in your life and you'll want to change it. That's okay. Why? Because you're growing in the Lord and you're seeking His face and His kingdom. The last action in this is to knock. So we are to ask, we're to seek, and then we're to knock. Knocking is all about communion and the relationship that we have with Jesus. To be in His very presence. To stand in His divine glory. Knocking is the word kruo, and it implies a greater sense of urgency. It means that you're beating on the door until somebody opens God, I need you. I'm banging on this door. You're actively bleeding at the God's door, seeking communion, seeking His audience, seeking His advice, seeking His presence, seeking His relationship. You're not just wanting answers. Sometimes you just want the comfort. Right? Today we're celebrating Naomi's 14th birthday. 14 years, wow. But one of the things that she loves the most is just to sit and talk. And most of the time I don't even answer because she's going a million miles a minute. (laughs) But I realize it's not about my response. It's about the presence. And so sometimes we'll hear that knock on the door. Yeah, can I have talk time? And what that means is, I just want to sit and tell you in the comfort of your presence. And what Jesus is telling us is that He wants us to seek the presence of God in our relationship. He wants us to be knocking so we can stand in the presence of God, so we can just be there and enjoy Him. You're not just wanting answers. You're not just wanting fullness that He does offer. It's all about that relationship, the wisdom and the love and the presence of God in our life. In fact, in in Revelation 3.20, Jesus reverts it the other way. He says, hey, listen. I stand at the door and I knock. And if anybody opens that door to me, I will enter in and I will dine with him and he with me. That's not a salvific verse. That's not telling you how to get salvation. Jesus isn't saying, hey, look, I I stand at the door knocking for your salvation. No, no, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about your relationship with Him. If you would just allow Him in and build that relationship, He'll grow close to you in the way that He's seeking and you're seeking. 
You see, in Scripture, there's three ways that talk about fellowship, especially for the ancients as, as a Hebrew people, as a Greek people, as they were looking at one another and looking at communion. There's three ways that people would grow in their fellowship and association with other people. One of them was walking. In Amos 3.3, it says, two cannot be in agreement if they're, if they're not walking together. You can't walk together and not be in agreement. Why? Because in walking, it's a very intimate thing. Let's talk about the day-to-day relationship in walking. What did the disciples do together? They walked from town to town. They followed in the footsteps of Jesus, a walking They took His guidance in the directions. Good thing Jesus had a good GPS, right? Walking is a trusting. That's an intimate thing. That's a fellowship thing. So a lot of times, Scripture will associate walking with a fellowship with God. Galatians chapter 5, it talks about us walking with the Spirit. In fellowship with the Spirit. What's the other thing? The other thing is, is, is all about the home life. When you invite somebody in. And that's what we're talking about within this passage. It's talking about Jesus is knocking at our, our life. He's knocking at our home and He's saying, Hey, let me in. I want to be a part of your job. I want to be part of your friendships. I want to be part of your home. I want to be part of everything that's taking place. I want to be invited in. And He's saying, I am knocking at your door to be invited in. To be fellowshipped with you. And the last one it talks about is Eating. Breaking bread with one another. That's an intimate thing, right? And Jesus in Revelation 3.20, He ties the two together. Hey, don't just invite me into your home. Don't just have me over. I want to dine with you. What was the thing that they always mocked Jesus about? The Pharisees would look at Jesus and say, He's eating with sinners and drunkards and prostitutes. Sinful people. He's fellowshipping with them. He's getting intimate with them. He's understanding their pain as he sits at their table. Guys, Jesus wants to do the same with us. All of us are sinners in here. And he wants to dine at the, at the seat of a sinner's table. Why? Because that's where life change can start. So He wants that fellowship with us. So we're to pray passionately, brothers and sisters. This is a continual practice. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. And keep on knocking. It's a continual thing. Why? Because you never arrive to perfection here on this side of eternity. There's always going to be another hurdle to have to jump. There's always going to be another issue around the horizon. The world is always going to be after you. You're always going to want to seek growth. You're always going to want intimacy with Jesus, right? And so he's saying, hey, just keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking. There's always a situation. It's not a one-time thing. 
It's not a one-time thing to sit at the feet of Jesus and dine with Him. It's something that you want to continually do. In verse 10, we're told, for everyone who seeks, who asks, receives. And he who seeks, they find. And to him who knocks, say it with me, the door will be open. The answer to each of the actions is also noted in the present tense. Just like, hey, we, we knock. We're presently knocking. The door is presently being opened. We're presently asking. We're presently finding. You see that's taking place is every moment in our life there's an active response that God has for us. But we have to be Actively asking, actively seeking, actively knocking. Why? Because when we are being active in our life, He's being active as well. By a continued practice of asking, seeking, and knocking, we break the habit where prayer is just an option. Where prayer is just that parachute. Where prayer is just in use of emergency only. Don't just come to God with your midnight emergencies. Keep an open line of communication between you and the Father. Our text today clearly says that He will respond if we ask. If we're being active in asking Him. Why? Because He's a good Father. It says it in Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. And Jesus says the reaction of God the Father. It says that He is a good Father that wants to please and care for His children. In the corresponding passage in Luke, it adds the importance of what He does in, in this. So if you have your Bibles, look at Luke chapter 11, 9 to 13. Something that's it's just such a small little addition, but it makes all the sense in the world. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of your fathers is, is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Do you see what's taking place there? Do you see the difference in the passage? It's about the presence. It's about the presence of God. God is present to help our need in the Holy Spirit ministering in our life. He's there. He's active to our asking, our seeking, and our knocking. A good father is not there just to spoil their child. If not, there's going to be a lot of millionaire Christians in this world today, wouldn't there? Yeah. 
I've heard your prayers. Come on now. But like a good father, God hears our request and is attentive to what we truly need. Context reveals to us rather that it it speaks to the fact that God loves his children to develop the habit of asking for help. But he doesn't leave us trapped by our own limited perception of the situation. He doesn't say, okay, you're stuck there. No, it, it says that he gives us the comforter of the Holy Spirit. Available to present our needs to the Father, but also to minister us to us in our time of need. And I think this may be what Paul is talking about in his letter to the Romans in Romans 8.15. 8.15-17, he says this, For you have not received a spirit of slavery, slavery leading to fear again, But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons to which we cry out, Abba, Father. You see, there's an active asking and calling out to God right there. It's saying that we're in this situation and we're looking at sin and we're saying, God, I don't know how to deal with that sin. It was once a master over me. How do I deal with that, God? We cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit, that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, so that we may also be glorified with Him. It's saying, hey look, you have the Holy Spirit in your life, so in those situations, you can cry out and get glorified. You can be built upon. You can overcome sin in your life through the presence of God in your life. Jump down, if you will, to verse 26 and 27. It continues on. It says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. Saying, hey look, you don't even know what to ask sometimes. Sometimes you're so low, you just can't cry out. But the Holy Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He's ministering for us. He's he's calling out to God for us. And He who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You see, the Lord has given us the Holy Spirit in our life to minister to us, to be there with us, to be active in our life, to be growing us, to be glorifying us, to be building in us, to be helping us, to convict us when we need conviction. And that's part of the asking, seeking, knocking, inviting the Holy Spirit to do His work in our life. But what do we have to be doing? We have to be praying for His active role in our life. In the same way it says, keep asking, keep seeking, and keep knocking, it says, God will keep answering. You will keep finding. And the door will be continually opened for you. Listen, God's not hiding Himself. 
God's not hiding himself. And you know, God doesn't hide himself from the world either. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, that you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden and a, and a light is not lit and then put under a bushel. If the world says they don't know Jesus, it's because we're not shining enough. Amen? And if we don't feel His presence, it's because we have drawn away from Him rather than what James 4.8 says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Why? Because He's active in our life. God's not hiding Himself. He's not hiding His answers. We're just keeping our mouths shut. We're just not searching Him in every instance. We're just not knocking. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. Brothers and sisters, be active and take a stance of action in your spiritual life. Because our God is active in hearing you, active in listening to you, active in seeking to help you in every circumstance in life. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.